Father, we just thank you. Father, we just worship you. What an awesome God we serve. Such an awesome God. And this morning, Lord, even as we now meditate upon your word, oh Lord, we want to be still in your presence, oh Lord. We want to be empty so that you can fill us. We want to be empty of self so that you can fill us with yourself. And Lord, therefore, I pray that you would, Lord, anoint all of us. That we will be able to hear your voice. That we will be able to understand your word. And that you would grant us the anointing even as we receive your word by faith. And Lord, that we will be strengthened in a, in a man to walk in obedience. We thank you, we praise you, Father, for this time. Come at this day into your hands. From the beginning to the end, let your name be exalted. Even through the ministration of the word. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. This morning, uh, I want to continue where I believe Pastor was talking to us about um, harlots to be made into brides. I want to look at that one verse uh, which says in Genesis, uh, James chapter 4, uh, verse 4 onwards. If you can just put it in the KJV. Okay. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not, know ye not, that the, that the friendship of the world is not friendship with the world, you see how the grammar has changed over here, it's a friendship of the world, is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And verse 5, do you think, do ye think, that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. What tremendous words. I mean, it's the whole intensity of the, of the word, of the verse changes because of the kind of language it's being used over there. Lusteth to envy. Um, actually, NKJ, we don't have to turn there. It says, yearns jealously. Okay, that's what the other translation kind of, you know, uh, lessens the intensity, right, of the, of the sentence. Lusteth to envy. Powerful verse. And it's a kind of a marriage covenant that he has made. It, uh, with with his his people, that's the reason why he's lusting because that's the only place where jealousy is and is is allowed. Uh, God is married to his people, and that's exactly what he what he uh, compares even in the old and the new covenant. In the new covenant, Paul says, "I have jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one man, that I may present to him as a what a chaste virgin." Uh, as, as a chaste virgin to Christ. And that's exactly what he, what he uses the same kind of a terminology he uses in, in, um, in, uh, the old covenant as well. In Genesis, in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, this is what he says. Look at what he says. Um, he says, Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. 
Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am what? Married to you. Wow. Look at that verse. I'm married to you. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you shepherds, according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding, that by the ministry of the word, we want to be made into a bride, who were once harlots. Strange, I mean, very tough word, but that's true. That the ministry of God would achieve three things, at least, not three, more than three things. If you turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, let's read from verse um, 25 to 27. Let us see those words. Yesterday we looked at this and we'll just take that as a launching pad into today's sermon or study. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak 5, Ephesians chapter 5, sorry, sorry. Dr. Richard, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he may present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, that, that she should be holy and without blemish. He's talking about several things. The first thing, that he might sanctify her, that he might set her apart to himself. That's what sanctification means. Second thing, that he would cleanse her by the washing of water by the word. Cleanse all her dirt. Okay. Okay. All, that is what we use in Telugu. Khadigesam. Khadigesam basically to thoroughly wash and confront everything which is of dirt inside of us. That is what Khadigesam means. Khadigesam means, Khadigesam means, I literally confronted every dirt in him and washed him thoroughly. So that he might present to himself a what? Oh, that is a fantastic word, isn't it? Glorious church. I mean, I was just trying to understand where this word glorious church appears in the entire Bible, you know. The word is endoxos in Greek. You know where it appears? For the very first time, turn with me to Luke's gospel chapter 7 verse 25. Look at this beautiful rendering of what glorious church means. Okay. Let's read it together. But what do you see? What do you go out to see? He's talking about John the Baptist. A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled. That's the word. Glorious church means what? <laughs> gorgeously appareled church. I mean, that's exactly what what uh, what we look. I mean, when we at least when I got married, um, I looked at my wife. Um, boy, look, you look gorgeous. Uh, okay, every time, no? It's interesting, right? The bridegroom is useless fellow only. Nobody even cares. <laughs> yeah, nobody even cares. We have one three-piece suit, two-piece suit, whatever suit. It's the same old, same old. But every bride's dress is different. Have you seen? Oh my goodness, you should see the kind of preparation those uh, uh, girls go through. The tension. Okay, 15 days to wedding. Okay, and they have to, they start dieting. See, these are all, <laughs> you're laughing, but this, that's, it's a fact. It's a fact. But you see, these are, these are all spiritual truths. They are in parable forms. She's trying to fit herself into the dress. Why? She's shedding weight. That's what Hebrews will say. Shed. 
not as thin, but every weight, so that you can fit into the dress. No, you see, every, everything that happens in a in a believer's life has got spiritual meanings. So whether we have a engagement ceremony or a wedding ceremony or a baptism or the breaking of bread, everything of importance that we give as believers has got a tremendous spiritual significance. Gorgeously apparel, meaning what? You should see the kind of intricate designs that the, that the guy who's, the girl who's, I mean, the, the lady who's making the dress, you know, I know Jason, right? She was, she used to visit, she had three or four visitations with the, with the wedding dress tailor, no? What about you? <laughs> Three piece suit. Two, two days, two days it's over. For them it is a huge process. First day they will come, second day this will come and then blood lady will say, Madam, you are putting a little more weight, can you just shed? So it's so many things that goes on into fitting that lady into that gorgeous apparel. So that's exactly what God, God is saying. I want to make my bride into a gorgeously apparelled bride so that one day when she is coming down the aisle, the whole universe will stand. Here comes the bride, gorgeously apparelled. That's the whole purpose of the ministry of the word of God. You see, when we put that into perspective, you know, every time you see, I believe that's exactly what even Jesus was saying, right? Uh, they have no wine. My time has not yet come. The time is coming that day, one day, when I'm going to see my bride and my heart is going to skip. Right? My goodness. You, sh- you should experience it. Only only people who got married, you'll know the, the beating of your heart. Okay? So, no, it's it's a unique experience. It's a unique experience. Well. <laughs> okay. So, that's the whole purpose of the ministry of the word of, word of God. To make us into a gorgeously apparel. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 19 verse 8. We looked at that yesterday. Okay. It was a, uh, sorry, uh, 7 and 8, in fact. Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. Let, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. You see, this is exactly, she has made herself ready so that she can be gorgeously apparelled. That's the whole idea. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. God is weaving, address knitting. You know what knitting and what's the difference between knitting and stitching? Seam, absolutely seamless. That's what happen, is happening here also. Colossians will use the word, we are being knit together in love. The only other place in the old covenant which the word knit is used when the heart of Jonathan or the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. It's a type of the new covenant church. Where people are not, you know, we are not stitched together. Where we'll prr at the seams. So we are just knit together. It's difficult. That's exactly the reason why they could not tear Jesus' garments. They had to cast lots, lots on it because it was one seamless garment. So therefore, he's jealous over us. 
Why? First Corinthians chapter 6 verses 16 and 17. Look at what it says. Or do you not know? Can, can, can we, can we use the word, uh, can you use KJV? I like KJV. You know, it's like, it's got a little Victorian, uh, English over here. Look, how does it start? What? It's, it's, in, it's interesting, right? <laughs> the way it says, what? What? Don't you know? Know ye not? That he which is joined to an harlot. I like that. It's not a harlot, it's an harlot. Okay, so H is silent, obviously. Okay. So you can, you can learn some grammar also. Hmm? <laughs> what, what? Know ye not? That he which is joined to an harlot. Now think about it. Where do you get this word joined, Baba? Whenever you see the word joined, what do you remember? Excuse me? See? You have to scan. You should ask the Holy Spirit to scan through the Bible and pick up that one join. From Genesis to... No. No. When Leah conceives the third time, she calls him what? Levi. So that my husband will be... You know what Levi is? He is one guy who is joined to God. He cuts every soulish tie and fleshly tie. And he joins himself to God. That is the word joined over here. That's the reason why I want you to look at the KJV. What? Know you not? That which is joined to an harlot is one body. For two saith he shall be one flesh. Verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. And therefore the spirit in you, what does it do? It lusteth to envy. Jealous. And by the way, that is one of the, one of the names of God in the old covenant. You know, if God willing time permits, I want to do one series on the names of God in the old covenant. You will have a tremendous experience. You will understand how to experience God in different, different positions, situations in your life. One, by the way, his name is Kana. Kana means jealous. You want to know it? Turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter 5 verse 10 onwards. 34, sorry. 34 verse 10 onwards. 34 verse 10 onwards. This is of course after Moses gives, gets the name of the Lord, you know. Remember he gets, uh, God passes over him and he declares his name, but verse 10 onwards, he looks, he makes a very interesting, uh, set of, uh, uh, statements. When he said, verse 10 onwards, behold, I am make a covenant. You see that? The moment you make a covenant, what kind of a covenant is he talking about? He's talking about marriage covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvelous before all your people, I will do marvels such as such have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom uh, you are, you are, shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the the Amorite, the slanderer. You know, remember the Canaanite, the merchant, the Hittite. What is that fellow? The, no, no, no. Hittite is uh, the guy. Hevite is Hevite. Hittite, if I'm right, is just a minute. Mm. The spirit of fear and dread. Hit, yeah. The one who's fearful, yeah. Amorite is the slanderer. Canaanite is a merchant. Hittite is a spirit of fear and dread. Perizzite is a villager spirit. Ease. Hevite is the spirit which tries to 
uh, rob your chastity and a Jebusite is the one who tries to steal the doctrine of Jerusalem. Okay, uh, that's what we know. Yeah, okay, and uh, Jer- Jerusalem is not taken taken up until uh, David conquers it. Okay, that's okay. That doesn't matter. And you have different different people looking at it in different different ways. But it's just not strictly that. But at least a flavor of it I'm talking about here. And verse twelve: Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare to snare in your midst and verse 13 but you shall destroy their altars break their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images for you shall worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous Woo! he's not a jealous god his name is jealous see because you will whatever he is is in his name jealous god is a jealous god and what does he do? Verse 15. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the what? The harlot. You see? is the moment you see the jealous, the name jealous comes, you immediately see the harlot also there, the spirit of the harlot. With their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and one of them invites you and you eat the sacrifice of it. That's the reason why exactly what the priesthood of Phineas, what does he do? The word again, zealous, he was zealous with the zeal of God consumed Phineas. The same word, Kana. And what did he do? He took the spear and he killed so that he understood that God is a God who makes covenant and he was jealous with the jealousy of God. And that's exactly what Paul says. He says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I've espoused you to one husband. And one of the spirits that we need to uh, really, really ask God is for the spirit of this kind of a spirit of jealousy. I'm not talking about envy and jealousy. You know, remember, in if you turn, with, you don't have to turn the number chapter 5, there is one thing called as, how do you know whether your wife has, be, has played the harlot? You know what it says? If your wife has done something unfaithful, or the spirit of jealousy comes upon the husband. Then you should take her to the high priest. It's a remarkable word. Then how to deal with that lady? Which is a picture of the church. And of Israel, basically. The moment the spirit of jealousy comes upon her husband, that fellow has to take her. So that means he's suspicious. You should not give any opportunity to your husband to become suspicious. That's the point. Who is that fellow whom you are are fooling around with? That familiarity I don't like. It's a very tough thing. And what what they have to do? You have to feed something strange into her. And you know what will happen? If she has really committed something which is absolutely abominable, her her stomach will rot and and her thigh will rot. Hmm, lot of significance over there, you know, it's PG-13 rated, I think, I don't know. PG-13 plus or no, 18 plus only, okay. Or R. <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to call it. So this is, this is what he's talking about. No? Make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and, the, and you should never give to God, he says, to a, allow that spirit of jealousy to come over him because he is jealous over with us with a godly jealousy. That is exactly what he's talking about. He's referring to Numbers chapter 5. When the spirit of jealousy comes over husband, uh, co- comes over the husband and therefore he says, don't you know that the spirit inside of you lusteth to envy, yearns jealously. Boy, he does not tolerate any other affections in our hearts. Our hearts have been totally, totally devoted to God. This is a very, very, very tough requirement. 
No, think about it. No, this, rather, I would say, this is the only requirement. Am I, am I right? This, is there a plan B for us? No, can we accept our spouses to fool around with somebody else? Will we accept that? Listen, you need to understand how people are making this polygamy into a norm. Recently, I saw an article in BBC where uh, husband and wife are trying out different partners and continuing to be husband and wife. And they come up with some stupid theories to justify their lifestyle and BBC will portray it as, oh, you know, this is the modern way of thinking. Absolute, utter garbage from the pits of hell. You know why? Because they do not understand God. Everything which is of God, they want to destroy it. Every institution which has been ordained of God. That is the reason why it says marriage is what? Honorable among all. You know, there are only two mega mysteries in the Bible. 1st Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 will say, do not have to turn there. Great is the mystery of what? Of godliness. And the other thing is this, in Ephesians chapter 5 he says, great is the mystery of marriage. Only two mega mysteries. And what should be the doctrine? There should be a doctrine which accords with godliness. Which tells you there is a spirit inside of, inside of you, the spirit of God which yearns jealously for you and therefore be very careful to fool around with the world. Don't take those things lightly. That's why Paul is saying, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I've espoused you to one husband so that I might present you a chaste virgin to Christ so that you will not be, uh, you'll not be deceived from having a sincere and a pure, what? Devotion to Christ. You're devoted to Him. You're devoted to Him and you're devoted to destroying everything which is not of Him in your life. It's a very strange construction of uh, words. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's a very strange construction of words. I mean, interesting, no? Um, verse uh, 6 onwards, of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 onwards. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a leaven, uh, sorry, a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And look at this, verse 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be may that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. You are already unleavened, positionally at least. And what should you do? Purge out all the leaven inside of you, so that you may be truly become what you actually are in Christ. That means devote completely devoted to Jesus completely and devoted to destruction if which everything which is not of God and which is everything which is accursed in your life. Therefore, we need to understand our identity as a bride in Christ. That our identity is absolutely, you know, uh, one with Him. That's what, it's, that's what we say right in Isaiah chapter 8. He says, I and the children that the Lord has given me that's what Paul even says. He says, um, you may have uh, 10,000 teachers, but very few fathers. And in Christ Jesus, I begat you. In the gospel. That is the kind of language he uses in Telugu. <laughs> I was so in unity with Christ, one spirit with him, and I started giving birth to spiritual children. That's the reason why he says, my dear little children, I traveled in childbirth since 
till Christ Jesus is informed in you, tells Galatian, the Galatian, Galatian church also. Hmm? So you're one, your identity is so mixed with Christ. Now, so, 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 so in order to understand what our identity is, and to understand why God is so jealous about us, we need to know who, what, what we are, who we are, right? So, there, there are several places in the Bible which uh, uh, which talk about what our identity, which is, explains our identity in Christ. But one of the verses that we've been looking at over and over and over and over again during our last 28 days is one verse which I'm sure you're all familiar with this. Turn with me to First uh, Peter chapter 2. Uh, verse 9 and 10. We know this, but, but just for to understanding. Today's, this is, this, this is today's, today's teaching. I would not call it message, only teaching, okay? So, he's explaining our identity. First, let us, let's look at verse 4 and then we'll come back to the verse 9 and 10, okay? Sorry. <clears throat> verse 4 first, verse 4 and 5, and then, uh, coming to him as a living stone, uh, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house to become a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So that is our uh, the whole purpose of building the body of Christ is to make us into a holy priesthood to offer it, it should be a spiritual house, holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Like for example, no, uh, these are all spiritual um, uh, words which are being used. When he saw, when the man in the spirit saw the new Jerusalem, he was only trying to explain it in Words that he could express. And our human language is very, very limited. Extremely limited. Okay. Heavenly language is, is, is different altogether. Okay. That is the reason why speaking in tongues is a fantastic gift. The powers of the age to come, he says in Hebrews chapter 2. You have experienced the powers of the age to come. We'll be speaking in heavenly language. We already have it. You speak four hours in, in prayer. Let's say you speak for four, two minutes in tongues is equal to two or two minutes in tongues is equal to four hours in with understanding. Now just imagine if you pray for four hours in the spirit. Bah! That will be like a total different ball game altogether, isn't it? Okay, that's not something which we will not get into right now. But that is not our topic for today. So First Peter chapter four, chapter two, verse nine. Now we'll say. So you are a chosen generation first royal priesthood second so how many am i going to find ah thank you so much you know okay so even if it, there is no seven i'll make seven okay so no, uh, no problem but but there is definitely seven over here okay you are a chosen generation royal priesthood holy nation special people people not of darkness but of light fifth you were not a people but now people of god and you did not obtain mercy but now obtain mercy. And verse 11 will say, Therefore I beseech you, like strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. So seven things are talking talked about there. Let's go back to that verse. Look at one all those things. A chosen generation. Look at the choice of the words. That is very important. You have to just, just don't just randomly look at them and say, Okay, this is something which we have looked at so many times. But look at the way he has chosen, chosen generation. Okay, chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, special people, uh, KJ will use the word peculiar people, that's a very interesting rendering, proclaim the, the people who are not of light, uh, not of darkness, but now, now, now of light, sixth, 
not a people, we are not a people initially, now we are people of God. And seventh, have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Which one should I start with? Okay. Maybe I'll just look at verse 10 and then we'll go to the, the first part. Okay. Get me the board, no? Get me the board. Get me the board. I want to show you something very interesting. I could go in that order, but I'll, I'll, I'll come to that. I hope I'll be able to explain this to you. The first time I'm using the board. I use this in uh, the other Bible studies as well. Okay, so... Are you able to focus? So here, here he is using a, in verse 10, he is using a very interesting, uh, verse, uh, rendering called, not a people, but now are God's people. Okay. Now, this is very important. No? In, in God, God is a binary God. You are either people, not a people. So if you look at the whole world, Okay, maybe you should uh, get me the other marker because this is this ink is gone. It's okay, no problem. If I can clean it up immediately, will it go? The permanent marker doesn't go immediately. Huh? Yeah, you can use that. No, okay. So look at this. Okay, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna use the same place. I'll try to finish it off. So this is the whole world. This is people, all people. Okay, all people. Hmm? What is it? All people. In this all people, we have, oh my goodness, I'm not able to, it's okay. Uh, is it, a, is there an, another marker? Sorry. If it's if it's not, it's okay. Okay, no problem. Is red, huh? Okay. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, fine. So this is a I'm gonna put this entire thing, okay? So I'm putting this entire uh, red mark. I'll erase it immediately, don't worry. Let us say this is what? All people. What people? All people. Okay. You have? This is a good marker? Okay, get, get to me. This is permanent, no? And that's okay. No, so that's the reason I'll, I'll, I'll use this. Now this is permanent. So this is all people, okay? This is all people. Everybody able to see, right? Now, in this all people, there is a particular set of people called my people. Who are these people? God's people. Okay. And what are these fellows? Not my people. <laughs> okay. The first one who started set theory was God. Okay. 
This is what we call as A, A prime. Okay. Now, this is very interesting. This is my people, not my people. And we know very well from, uh, from set theory, A union A prime is equal to universal set. Yeah, you know that, no? That means if I add all these people, that will become all people. Are you, are you very, very clear, no? Now, A intersection A prime is what? Null set. That means there is no commonality between my people and not my people. They are completely separate. Completely. Okay. So there is absolutely no commonality at all. That's the reason why he says, what fellowship has light with darkness, Christ with Belial. Okay, so this is my people and not my people. No, it's exactly what he was telling here. He's saying, you are all, first what? Here. Where? Not my people category. And what did he do here? He made us into, who are these fellows over here? Jews, basically. In the people of children of God, Jews. Okay. Jews were here in this category and nobody could become Jewish. Now the thing is, how can we become People of God is a question. So you know what he does? He makes a word. What is that word? Turn to Romans chapter 9. I will not follow. Turn to Romans chapter 9, verses 24 onwards. Now this is fantafabulous, okay? <laughs> okay. When I looked at it, I said, boy, this is what set theory. I could have taught set theory. Bayes theorem, sab kuch par so jata. Probability, sab kuch par. Okay, I can teach. Verse 24 of Romans chapter 9. Even as he called not the Jews only, but also Gentiles. Now look at this. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people and her beloved who was not my beloved. How? Next verse. And it shall come to pass in the place... Look at this, look at this, look at this. Guess, 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 guess. This is crazy, okay? In the place where it was said, not my people, there shall be called the sons of the living. Now, let me tell you something, okay? Everybody, everybody here, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, okay? Watch, watch the board. First, he called Jews and he said, you are my people. How did they act? They never acted like the. They wanted to assimilate with the culture. They wanted to have an intersection. Okay, they wanted to become like the other people and God said, you want to become like that, you know what I will do? I will call you also, not my people. So the moment he said, not my people, all these fellows are eliminated. Everybody has become what now? Not my people now. No, at the place where he called them not my people, what is he going to call them now? My people. So what will happen? All of us who accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior have become people of God. And some of those people who also accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior were here and other were here. A small remnant of the Jews are here now. All the others are still what? Not my people. And now we all have become my people. And these were the Jews who have become not my people, and now here he has become what? My people. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 11, verses 24 onwards. 
For if you were cut off from the olive tree which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who were natural olive branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Next verse. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that the blindness has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles come in. And the next verse, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And verse 27, For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. So they said, we don't want the God. So the moment they said, we don't want God, when they, we don't want Jesus, they became what? Not my people category. For whose sake? For our sake. So that we will become included in God's people. So he made, he broke that middle wall of separation between Jews and Gentiles and he made them into one. Okay. See, the whole world was one and then at that very place he said not my people he says my people first he called them all not my people so everybody got eliminated then he called them my people so the whole circle became huge because all the gentiles got in and this is what peter is saying peter knew said theory all said theory came from fishermen okay that's enough you can take this board Teach the tough things in the middle of the, in the first beginning of the class. Okay. <laughs> I hope people understood it. But, yeah, take it in. Thank you. Okay, so the first thing, <laughs> I just looked at, first we attacked, not my people. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll understand it also in the coming days. If you are not able to understand it, no problem. I can explain it even more and more. So we have infinite amounts of data and uh, and pl- place on YouTube. I will include it. But let's go back to... Um, um, or, uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah. First so, uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. First we'll start with... You were what? Chapter 2 verse 9. You are a what generation? Chosen generation. Elect generation. Now, isn't that a very interesting word? The word generation comes from what? The word? Genes. G-E-N-E-S. That means you are an elect gene. Okay, sometimes you know, he's got the genes of his father. Okay, the genome. We are called by our what genome? Our spiritual DNA. What does that mean? We are a people with new genes. Not the genes of man anymore. But the genes of the elect son of God. Because he is called the elect. Like we were born again by the word of God. Like just like him we have become like God. Through the word of God of course. The word God, the word chosen means of course elect. In order to appreciate our new genome, <laughs> we have to look at our old genome. Our Adamic genome. What kind of a spiritual makeup did he have? According to the Bible. In order to explain the old genome, 
the old genes, old DNA, the Adamic DNA, what does Paul do? He says, okay, fine, I'll do one thing. I will go through the entire Old Testament. I know you fellows are very lazy. I will encapsulate the entire Old Testament and explain to you from different parts in the Old Testament as to how your old genome was. Okay, so turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Verse 9, 9 onwards. Look at this. What then are we better than they? Who are these? Who are we? The Jews. Okay. Not at all. For we have previously charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin as it is written. Now he is explaining the spiritual genome. There is none righteous. No, not one. First. Second. There is no one who understands. That means they don't have any spiritual brains. There is no one who seeks after God. That means there is no spiritual affections. They have all turned aside. That means they have just gone away, astray from me. They have together become unprofitable. The moment you start going away from God, there is no profit in you at all. Because you are not even considered His people. That's the point. There are only my people and not my people. They have together become unprofitable. And there is no one who does good. No, not one. How did you come to this conclusion? Look at the next verse. Their throat is an open tomb. Their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is in their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Meaning when they open their mouth, they spit out poison. It's explaining the old genome. Their swift to sw- their feet is, are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the genome structure of the old man. You know, a very famous poem in Telugu. Talanundu vishamu faniki. Velayanga tokanundu vrushchikamunakun. Okay, inkedi de? Talatoka antanundunu kalunaku vishamu. What is this? You know what he's saying? For a snake, the poison is in its head. For the scorpion, the poison is in its tail. For a man who is a wicked man, you do not know whether the poison is in his head or in its tail. His whole body is poison. Okay. His full body is poison. You know, when when I was growing up, I used to have a friend called Funny. You know what Funny means? Snake. Can you imagine? I hire a Funny. Hi, snake. That's his name. That's his name. Funny means snake. But you should see that fellow. Actually, that guy is a, he's a good guy, okay. But his name is funny. That means, come near him, he will bite you. Poison. Can you imagine? Just imagine the names that people have given. Why? Because they will worship the gods out of their own imagination. They have become like that now. That's the whole point. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 22 onwards. Look at what it says, no? (laughs) Professing to be wise, they became fools. If you can, uh, yeah. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and what? Creeping things under two categories. Head, snake, Tail, poison. 
No, you know what he's saying? For a, for a man who is wicked, his head and tail and in between all poison. Sometimes he behaves like a snake. Sometimes he behaves like a poison. Sometimes he will come and spew poison right in front of you. Sometimes he will go behind your back and spew poison. Sting you behind your back. That is like he changes his DNA between uh, scorpion and snake. He's a coronavirus. It's constantly mutating its DNA. We don't even know how he will uh, behave. That's the reason why he says his ways are what? Movable. There's no stability in his path at all. That is Dan. He's like a snake. The only way you can become a good Dan is by calling Daniel. Who's your God? God is, Daniel means, God is my judge. I will not judge anybody. <laughs> I will allow God to judge me. That is what Daniel means. Anyways, that's besides the point. Therefore, he says, next verse, verse 24, he says, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, our spiritual DNA was absolutely a messed up DNA. It was a DNA of a snake. Very tough. I didn't say it. The Bible says it through two people. Through two people. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 7. And I, I want you like you to use the word, uh, use the, uh, the uh, KJV only, because we'll just see KJV, okay? Because I, I want you to look at that verse, okay? Then he said to the multitudes who came forth to be baptized of him, Oh, generation of vipers, you know whose DNA is flowing through you? You have a viper's DNA flowing through you. That is your DNA. So viper's DNA, you know, remember Trump talking about the snake? Okay, that snake which was on the roads, it was saying it was, it was being, it was freezing in the cold, okay. So the guy comes and uh, it's freezing in the cold and the snake is crying out to the man. Oh, please save me from this cold, please save me from this cold. So this man takes the snake, brings it to the home. And gives it some nice warm milk and, you know, takes care of it. And ultimately, what does it do? Bite, bite, bites. That's a snake. That's what you say. That's what people say, you know, sometimes, that's what they say. What does it mean? I'm, I'm rearing a snake right in my home. That's what he says. That's what so many Telugu, Telugu saying is, What You know what he's trying to say? He's saying that, I have reared snakes, and ultimately, instead of loving me, it bit me. What do you expect? That's why, that's why I don't, I don't, I, don't, I still can't comprehend how people can have pythons as pets. It's impossible for me to comprehend. And then they wonder, how come this fellow's not coming home today? He's dead. This fellow swallowed him. Finished. Gone. It's a snake. Snake kills. That's its nature. You know, there's a fantastic work verse which encapsulates the nature of a snake in the Bible. Okay, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. Different translations will look at, Dr. Richard. You just go crazy now. Okay? <laughs> look, at, look at what it says. 
Okay, look at what it says, okay? And I'll look at one translation is not there. Uh, 12.10 of Proverbs. A righteous man regards the life of the beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are... Bah! The tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. NIV. A righteous man cares for the needs of the animal, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. Can you believe the statement? The kindest acts of the wicked. That means you take the most philanthropic man on planet earth who is not my people, according to God. His kindest acts, instead of bringing life, will bring death. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. ESV, if you have. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Boy! NSB? That's very similar. This is unbelievable NSB, okay? A righteous man has regard for the life of his animal, but even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. Oh my goodness. You know why? It's a snake. What did you expect? No, this is the Berean Standard Bible. You don't have it in your in your software. You know, this is what it says. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are only cruelty continuously. It's only cruelty. Even the, what? Mercies, the tender mercies of the wicked. That's exactly what happened during the days of Noah, isn't it? KJV now, okay? Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, because we looked at imaginations yesterday. Hmm? 6 verse 5, 6 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his, of his heart was only evil continually. Boy, this is our spiritual DNA and our spiritual DNA got so messed up. And if you see Genesis chapter 6 verses 1 to 5, the same translation, you just keep it like that. You'll know it. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. The sons of God, that is what pastor was talking about, the second realm, saw the daughters of men that they were Beautiful, other translations. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And then, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he also is flesh. Yet the days shall be an hundred and fifty, twenty years. There were giants or Nephilim in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the Son of God came in unto the daughters of men and bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, which are of old men of renown. What has happened now? Even the, not only the spiritual genome was messed up, the physical genome was also getting messed up. Completely. You know, it says in Daniel chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, the iron got mixed with clay and you know, that they, they, they will mix with, mingle with the seed of men, it says. I know, it's a very strange words over there. And it's exactly what is going to happen in the last days. We are living in the days of Noah. We have no idea what is happening in the spiritual realm. Hmm. Is there going to be a return of the Nephilim? Oh yeah, I, I think so. Or it's already happening. We don't know. 
I wonder what our reformed theologians will talk about that, will say about that, I don't know. Whether this doctrine will fit into their theology. Will there be a return of the Nephilim? What's going to happen? What does he mean when the days of Noah and even the days of Lot? Sons of God came in under the daughters of men and messed up the complete DNA structure because they wanted to, of course, they wanted to mess up with the seed of the woman. They didn't, want, they, they, they didn't want the Christ child to come. And you know what it says? Noah was perfect in his what? In his generations. Ah, that guy's seed was somehow com- kept and the whole world got messed up. Perfect in his generations. So, there's a spiritual DNA that we have. The DNA of a snake. And it is a very, 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 very sad reality. I would say sad because it was not, I think, it, I mean, that, that, sad. It's a reality. Why is it sad? Because people are not aware of it. That's what, that's the reason why it's sad. That is the reason why it says, even the, if, if the tender mercies and the compassion of the wicked is cruel, and if there is no one righteous and all are wicked, no wonder God calls our righteous Jesus what? Fill the rags. No wonder. And there has to be what? Repentance from dead works. Hmm. Therefore, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33 onwards, look at what it says, you know. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Next verse, uh, just KJV. Oh, generation of vipers. That word is very interesting. It comes from the word genie, from which we get the word genes. A generation of vipers. How can you, (laughs) being evil, speak good things? He doesn't even say do good things. You cannot even speak. For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The pastor was talking about, from out of the heart proceed what? Evil thoughts and therefore actions. Oh, generation of vipers. So we had a DNA which is absolutely corrupted. And that kind, what kind of a DNA is this? This DNA is so dangerous. Look at what it says in the next verse. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, etc. Mm, oh, one second. And when after he says this, uh, verse 38. Then certain other scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And then he says, but he answered and said to him, an evil and adulterous. Oh, look at now, what kind of a generation? First of all, you are a brood of a generation of vipers. Second, you are an evil and an adulterous generation. The spirit which has, a generation which has got the spirit of harlotry in you. How do I know that? Because it says, uh, same thing, verse 43. Look at what it says. Verse 43 to 45. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And when he has come out, he findeth an empty swept and garnished. Then he goeth and taketh, taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this 
wicked generation. So he calls them what? What generation? First generation, he calls them a generation of wipers. Second, then he calls them a generation of adulterous generation and eviler. And then third generation, he calls as a, a wicked generation which actually doesn't stay under God's order. Basically, our generation, the entire genome is completely messed up. So what do we need? <laughs> we need a new DNA. We don't have, by the way, there is no antivirus to this DNA. We are total new DNA is needed. That is the reason why when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, what does he say? Unless God is with you, you cannot do Science like this. Jesus doesn't do any apologetics. I, I like that. So, honestly, you know, I, I have no, no offense with, with apologetics and all. I, I really enjoy it and I think there's a place for it for sure. But more than all that you need, the authority and the unction of the Holy Spirit to speak like this. Nicodemus, I'm not going to reason with you. First of all, if you're not born again, unless a man is born from above, he cannot see. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter. Finished. Why? And then he zeroes in. I told you, right? He zeroes in on that one incident in Numbers chapter 21. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent and everybody who saw the serpent were cured of their illness, you need to understand that your blood is flowing through your blood and flowing through your veins in your system is the DNA of the serpent which is killing you. You are not only deceiving, you are also getting deceived. That's what. That's the reason why it says, evil men and seducers or imposters will deceive and also get deceived even as you go out. Keep on getting deceived. So what you need is a completely different DNA. New genome. That is the reason why James chapter 1 verse 18. What is that genome? Hmm. Of his own will he begat us with the word of truths. Kya baat hai? You need to be born again by the what? By the word of truth. Why? Because just we don't just speak lies. Oh, we are a lie. That's thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We are a lie. Let me prove this to you. Okay. Turn with me to Romans chapter one. Now you can go to ESV. Okay. Romans chapter one and verse. 28 onwards. Look at this. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what what ought not to be done. Look at this. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. And then they they are gossips. He doesn't say they gossip. They are gossip. So they can't, it's what, it's in their what? DNA. What does gossip mean? Slander. Who's that slanderer? Devil. You have the DNA of the devil inside of you. That is the reason why he says you are of the father, the devil, and of his works you will do. That means you cannot help but being a gossip because that's your nature. Oh, 
See how important it is for us to experience a new life and new birth. It is impossible. That's, what, that's the reason why the DNA or the spiritual DNA that we had was a DNA of the devil flowing through our every part of our body. Of our, of our soul, whatever you want to call it. Therefore, First Peter chapter 2, so chapter 1 verse 23 will say, what should you do? First Peter chapter 1. Since you have been born again, not of uh, KJV if you don't mind, or in KJV also is fine. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, and what is that? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That is what we need. A new seed. And that's what we, we, we all are learning it over and over again. That means what? First of all, the importance of being born again. Okay. Second is, how do I know that I'm born again? Is also important. Both are important. See, we need to be, we need to understand the importance of being born again. That means you cannot change our old man. That follow is, that's it, that's the reason why it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22, if I'm right. 22, chapter 4 verse 22. 422. 422. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows. Have you seen anything growing corrupt? That's exactly what he's talking about. They're growing corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And it's just, it's like, it's going more and more and more and more corrupt. And it's exactly what is going to happen to the whole world. The world, that's what it says in Genesis chapter 6. The whole world was corrupt before God. It's an irreversible process. And therefore, there is what? There has to be a resurrection literally. That is the reason why what was what happened to the old I mean the, the sinful earth there was a resurrection which happened a baptism when the ark came through judgment symbolizing completely a new creation again it's a it's a type the whole corrupt thing had to be completely wiped out and something which is absolutely of God which is perfect in its what generations has to raise and start afresh. It's a type. So how do we know that we are born again? Is a question. You know, first thing that we know is that we are born again. I'll tell you. Verses 2 to 3 of First Peter chapter 2. A Lord like this so much. We've seen it so many times, but we have to see it again. As newborn, what? Babies. Desire pure milk of the word. You know what? Newborn babies desire word. You also will begin to desire. You know why? Because you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That means you tasted that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ruchi chuchi erigitani Yehova uttamudaniyo. That's a beautiful song in Telugu. Ruchi chuchi erigitani Yehova uttamudaniyo. Raksha kunasra inchi ne dhanyudanai thini. 
came under the shadow of the Almighty and I became blessed. What a, what a beautiful verse. That means I experienced the goodness and the kindness of God. A guy who has got full of venom in his, in his, every inch of his body and his mind and his soul received grace and mercy of God and God gave us new births. And then, how else we know? You know what? We know when we stop doing something. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7 onwards. This is all KJV, right? Okay, KJV is fine and KJV is also fine. Hmm? Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as who is righteous? He is righteous. He who sins is of the Woo. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay. Whosoever is born of God, what does he do? Does not commit sin. Why? For his seed. Abba. You see? Like that seed is remaining inside of you. You know, which is more difficult to so ESV will use the word does not keep on sinning. Does not make, which is difficult, Baba. Does not sin is difficult. And in, that is true, in fact. Because that seed will not sin. Because just, just like Jesus was tempted in all areas, but did not sin, so also he who is also born of God will be tempted in all areas, but he will also not sin. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth righteousness is not, uh, is not, does not do righteousness is not of God, neither is he who loveth his brother. So what, what is this next, next way? How do you know that you are born of God? Second, chapter 3 verse 10 onwards, uh, uh, 11 onwards, chapter 3 verse 11 onwards, or the same thing, 11 onwards, 11 and 12. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was, F, who was of the wicked one. You see again, he would belong, he had that DNA, that DNA of the devil inside of me. How, what did he do? He slew his brother. How did that happen, Baba? How did that happen? How did this wicked one come into this fellow's genes? You know what Jesus said? On God said, Cain, why is your face like that? Why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not well, who's lying at the door? Thin is lying at the door. That's that moment he should have taken action. So whoever is born of God, you know what he does? He overcomes sin. Second. He doesn't practice righteousness, uh, unrighteousness, but he practices righteousness in that he begins to overcome sin in his life. Second. You need to understand this. He hates a sin and he Begins to overcome sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because why? Because he's got the word of God, the seed which is remaining in him. Third, chapter 5, verse 1 of 1 John. Okay. Whosoever believeth Jesus is, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also, that is begotten of him. Meaning what? You'll begin to love your brothers too. You will begin to love the brothers who are again born of God. There will be a special relationship that you will have with your brothers. 
and you love them more than you love your own flesh and blood. That is the remarkable thing. How do I know it? Matthew chapter 12 verse 45 onwards now. Then he goeth and he taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked and the last state was worse than the first. Even so it shall be with this wicked generation. Okay, that is a wicked generation. Now look at the next verse. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood without, desiring to speak to him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brothers stand without, desiring to speak with thee. And he answered and said to him, Who is my mother? (laughs) Who are my brothers? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whosoever whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother, same is my sister, same is my mother. Total different family altogether. Doesn't mean, does he, does, does that mean that he doesn't love his mother and father? No! He loves them by loving these people more. What did I say? He loves his flesh and blood by loving the spiritual brothers more. So that Behold, they will see that the love that you have for one another and they will say, you know what, we want this. They'll get attracted to your father. Love that delivers, love that demonstrates. Okay. But by this shall all know that you are my disciples by the love that you show in demonstration in adoration. How does it go? By the love that you show. In demonstration, in love that you give. In demonstration. Something, something like that, no? And by this shall all know that you are my disciples. By the love that you have for one another, everybody will know that you are his disciples and they will say, we want this. Question, do you love your brothers more than you love? Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, 10. I like this. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Antente. There should be a particular love that you have for your the household of faith. This is, this is exactly what jealous spirit means. That you'll be jealous for the love of your... That's what Paul is saying. You know what? I... I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I want you fellows to have that kind of a love for God. And anything which I see which is not of God, I am going to come after you. So that you will have a pure devotion to Christ. Your household of faith becomes your new family. Completely new. You see, you begin to love your brothers more. You love them more. You have a special relationship with them more. It's like just, just like this, no? I gave this example so many times back, so many years back, uh, so many or several other meetings, I guess. No, just imagine if I write a love letter to my wife and you just get to read it. Okay. When you look at that letter full of, you know, feelings and a lot of things has been, is written over there and you get to read it. What would you say? Oh, Vijay is such a loving man. Would you say that? No, 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 no. 
What would you say? Vijay loves his wife so much. You will not say Vijay is such a loving man, no? You will say, this guy, he loves his wife. This is unique. That is the reason why it says, wives, submit to your own. Why is that? There is a special devotion that is required when compared to all the other devotions that you have. You have to have a special devotion to your husband. Even when it is, even when it comes to your children and your husband, your who comes first, your children comes first. Because you are one and not them and you. That's the point. Okay? You understand? So you have, you overcome sin. You love his brothers. And finally, not finally, 1 John chapter 5 verse 2. But this we know that we have the, we, we love the children of God when we love and keep his commandments. Go on. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You know what? Of course he's talking about in the context of love here that we love our brothers. But we also know that the love is a fulfillment of the law. Romans chapter 13 says, all commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not bear false witness. Everything is encapsulated in one thing that you shall love your neighbor, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So love is a, what of the law? Fulfillment of the law. And you know what happens when you love God like that? This should become not burdensome. How many times should I forgive him? You bear it. Because you love. So you cannot change that. You know, we know it, right? You know, even in our own families, your brother, let's say, just think example is a guy who's not doing well in your family. You have a, a bunch of siblings. What will happen? Doesn't matter how bad he is. You scold him. You do everything to him, but you will love him. You'll do everything in your capacity to ensure that he's settled. Right? That's exactly what happens in the world. The same thing he's saying. You will become, oh, so this is how we know that we have born of God, that we have the seed of God inside of us. And finally, 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. For whatever is born of God, what? Overcomes the world. Meaning what? The same jealous spirit that we have, that God has for us, we will also have inside of us. I'll tell you something. What does that mean? The same way that God feels jealousy when you are fooling around with the world, you also feel the same jealousy when somebody of your own brothers who's fooling around with the world. You will not tolerate that. You will not tolerate worldliness in you and you will not tolerate worldliness in your brothers. Either you will have two responses. Either you will be an Ezra who moans or you will be a Nehemiah who spanks. Which one is difficult for you? Huh? Ezra is difficult, so God will give you the Ezra ministry only. If you think uh, Nehemiah ministry is easy for you, some people do, don't want to spank. Lord, I will moan. God says you have to become a spanker. That is the only way you will become a you will become dead to your flesh. Some people because they don't want to confront. Oh no 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 no! I'm, I'm I will moan. No, God says you do one thing. You go and spank. You and you will say, Lord, I like to spank. Huh? You do one thing. You go moan. Which one do you like is a question. Because everybody likes to. Very few people who like to spank. 
or rather uh, not, not to spank everybody wants to take the danda you know, little children small children you give them little authority abigail is elder to manuela by 2 years oh my goodness you should see how she wields the sword against her sister Because everybody likes the sword. To behave, be like Nehemiah, you should have the burden like Nehemiah. And Nehemiah only spanks in the end of chapter number, end of his chapter, chapter number 13. Okay. So let us have both, both Ezra ministry and Nehemiah ministry. And whoever likes to volunteer for Nehemiah ministry will be given Ezra ministry. And whoever likes to go for Ezra ministry will be given Nehemiah ministry. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing, we overcome the world. You don't tolerate worldliness in you because you are jealous for God's glory. Jealous. Because his name is jealous. He is just not jealous. He is, name is jealous. I'm going to show you a series of verses which will scare you, okay? Should we, we should be scared sufficiently. Because it's the fear of God which keeps us from sin. Not, not just the love of God. Enna. Hmm? Proverbs chapter 6, please. Verse 32 to 35. Idolatry is spiritual adultery. Okay, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. That's exactly what it says. No? Whoever commits sin, this sin does not sin against, he sins against his own body. Okay, let's move on. 33. Wounds and dishonor he will get. And his reproach, boy, look at this, those words. This reproach will not be wiped away. And the next verse. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. That day is coming. So if you are fooling around with the world, God is not going to spare you on the day of vengeance. He will not accept any recompense, nor will he, nor will he be appeased, though you give him many gifts. Jealousy is a husband's fury. So he is not going to accept. I was jealous for you, made a fool. You played around the fool with the world. That day you will recompense. It doesn't matter how many gifts you give to him. What gift can we give to God anyway? So that is a foolishness to even think. That we can appease God through many gifts. Okay? So the first thing, we know that we are born of God. We know these different things. We first, first we looked at is that we love the word of God. Second, we stop sinning. Third, we overcome sin. We start loving the brothers. We overcome the world. Then, second, second attribute he gives us is we are a chosen generation. And then what else? Next one. A royal priesthood, Baba. What priesthood? That is a very interesting thing. A royal and priesthood could never come together. You know that, right? In the old covenant. Whoever tried to be a royal priesthood, was destroyed. Only two people tried and got destroyed. First fellow was Saul, the second fellow was Uzziah. Royal and priesthood were completely different. Now tell me, who is the only royal priesthood in the Old Testament? Exactly. Melchizedek is the only royal priesthood. So what are we called? Here in this case. We are not just called priesthood, we are called royal priesthood. So that means whose order are we following? Not the Levitical order, but the order of Melchizedek. And where do you find him? Turn to Genesis chapter 14. This is after 
uh, Abraham wins the victory over five kings. And look at this fantastic uh, confrontation, not confrontation, uh, 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 interaction between um, Melchizedek and um, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, Melchizedek. Melchizedek means he's a king. Tzadek means righteousness. Okay. Melchizedek, king of, king of Salem. Okay, he's a king of righteousness and he's a king of peace. There's only one person who's a king of righteousness and who's a king of peace. That is Jesus. So Melchizedek is a type of Christ. We all know it very, very well. But what is the whole purpose of this priesthood, Baba? Is a question, no? What's the whole purpose of being called royal priesthood? That we should offer spiritual sacrifices. We are just not royal priesthood. We are also holy priesthood. We should offer up spiritual sacrifices. What are those spiritual sacrifices that we should offer? Is the question. Hmm. Let's go. From chapter 17. Uh, chapter 4, 14 verse 17 onwards. 17 onwards. Say about Doctor. And king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh. This is interesting. King of, so- of uh, Sodom. That who is the king of Sodom? His name is Bera. What does Bera mean? Satan. The wicked one. That's exactly what it means. The Hebrew. See, your, the, you, the, the most vulnerable moments in your life is when you have experienced victory. And especially spiritual victory. Are, tu, is what the voice you will hear. Now you have achieved this, huh? Good, 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 good is what Sodom, the king of Sodom wants to come. That is the king, that is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Shadlomer and the kings who were with him. And before he could meet him, who comes and interjects? Melchizedek, thank God. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of... I love that. This is the new word for one of the names of God, you know. El Elyon. One of the names of God. El Elyon. God of the God Most High. And who was a priest of God Most High? Melchizedek was a priest of God Most High. And what did he give? He gave him bread and wine. Fantastic. Next verse. And look at what he says. And he blessed him. And said, Blessed be Abraham of... Wow. Of Elelion, Possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies from your into your hands. What does that mean? And he gave him a tithe. Of all, and you know, and Hebrews will say, even Levi, who was in the loins of Abraham, paid tithes to God in Abraham. In what? No, it's not in Abraham. In Abraham, when did he pay tithes? Before circumcision or after circumcision? Before circumcision. Abraham believed in God and was credited to him as righteousness. Before circumcision, after circumcision, before circumcision. So tithes was before circumcision or after circumcision? Oh, very good. There goes a fantastic doctrine called tithes and so many people in the modern world don't even believe it anymore. They said tithes is of the old covenant. Okay, I don't mind your doctrine, but the problem is if it's in the old covenant, would you give more or less? That's not my point is that. In the old, in the old covenant, you gave a tithe. In the new covenant? Thank you. Give your all. So blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So what did, what does he bless him with? Blessed him with a very interesting blessing. Delivered your enemies into your hands. That is a blessing of who? 
Melchizedek. Okay. This is a unique blessing given to Abraham by Melchizedek. You know what he was trying to say? You are the only person, I mean, or Melchizedek, meaning now you're, he's a type of a believer. He's a, he's a New Testament believer who's no longer just a Levitical priesthood, he's a royal priesthood who has got power over his enemies. And who are his enemies? The world, the flesh, and the devil. He's matured to a point where he's able to wage war. He's got the strength to wage war against his own flesh. How did he wage war against his own flesh? He went after his ungrateful brother. Right? Forgiveness. Flesh will say, he overcame that. Second, he overcame the powers of darkness. Five kings. Third, he overcame the power of the world when Bera comes and says, take what? Take all these uh, money and you give me the souls. He says, forget it. So, what is the royal priesthood? Those are people who just not born now, they have the power to overcome their flesh, they have the power to overcome the world, and they have the power to overcome the powers of darkness. That is Melchizedek. That is royal priesthood. You know, how do you know that God is pleased with you? It's a question. Most of the times I have this question, how do I know that God is pleased with me? See, without faith it is impossible to please God. Everybody knows that. Okay, everybody knows that without faith it is impossible to please God and whoever comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of all those who seek him diligently. We can quote it verbatim and it's there in the back of our mind because we have heard it over and over again virtually in every sermon. But how do I know that God is pleased with me? This is one thing to con- uh, what do you say? confess that word and one thing to really experience that word. How do I know that God is pleased with me? Is a question that you need to ask yourself. You know, Numbers chapter 14, verse 8. Uh, can you put it in uh, ESV or KJV? In, uh, KJV okay. ESV or, or uh, NIV also maybe? NIV. I think NIV is easier. Yeah. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into His land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and He will give it to us. What does that mean? If the Lord is pleased with us, He will give us the strength to overcome every giant in our lives. That's what it means. How do I know? There is a life of overcoming. That is the reason why if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7, sorry, 5, verses 6 to 14. As he who says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh when he was uh, offered a offered a prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, Though he was a son of God, and uh, he ob- uh, he learned obedience to the things he suffered. I want you to go to a particular place. I mean, go to next verse, verse ten, maybe. Um, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, verse eleven, of whom we have much to say, hard to explain, because you have become what 
dull of hearing. Why? Why are you not able to accept this kind of a message? For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you are still babies. You are still spiritual babies. You still haven't learned how to overcome. There is no overcoming life inside of you. So the first, he says, you are a what generation? You are a chosen generation. You know what it means to be a chosen generation. Second, you are a royal priesthood. You know what it means to be a royal priesthood. What is it to be a royal priesthood? Baba, your royal priesthood means you are a person who is overcoming. Just not your, uh, your, just not your flesh. The power of the world, the seduction of the world, and the powers of darkness. All these three things are happening. The world has got very little influence in your life. See, for, for us, the world enters into different ways, right? For me, the world is gadgets. Whoa! How much time we spend on gadgets? Browsing through Amazon. Oh, I, you, I, I, I remember at least on a one particular day, two to three hours on Amazon to go from one part, one product to the other product. What does this say? Reviews, whether I should buy it or not to get one headphone. And I bought, and I searched and searched and searched and searched at least two, three, four hours on that to get one headphone. And it really didn't work that great. And one day Abel came and said, Pastor, I bought a gift for you. Headphone. And I said, four to five hours wasted. And God is saying, you spend time with me. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and I will add all things that you need. And what did I do? Spent so much money. I got one one headphone useless. Second headphone useless. Third headphone useless. Four headphone useless. Wasted money. Wasted time. Wasted everything. And ultimately God gave, them, gave me the best after a while. It was a parable. What was a parable? Don't love the world. Nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. You are not born of God, basically. How much we spend time in the world? Browsing and browsing and browsing and browsing and browsing. I mean, for us it is gadgets. For for women? If it is not shopping, it is cooking. Men, I am telling you, the kind of dishes that is available on YouTube. It's a, it's literally, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Pride Fullness of bread in different forms. Can you imagine those days when we go to a restaurant, we know exactly what to order. Now the restaurant is online, we don't know what to order. And Swiggy, are konsa konsa kare Are this is also there, the taste is good, this is good, that is good, this is good. My goodness, the spread. That's exactly what the king of, king of Sodom did. He spread like that before Abraham. You know what? Thank God, Melchizedek came and blessed him and said, you know what, Abraham, you are a royal priesthood. Your children are going to come after you who are be, who will be called the children of Abraham. They are a chosen generation. They are a royal priesthood who will say no to this world and don't waste time with the things of this world. Seek my kingdom and my... I literally felt like a fool, no? When Abel came and gave me that thing. I, I wasted so much of money on these earphones. Finally, he came and get, gave and said, Pastor, I just want to give you a gift. I said, Boah! And that is one heck of a piece. It will never die. Four days it will go without charge. Which headphone, Bluetooth headphone will give you that kind of a charge? 
See? Don't waste time, Baba. So first, chosen generation. Second, a royal priesthood. Third is what nation? Holy nation. You know, we have a new ethnic identity. Okay? That means we are new passport holders. Have you seen? Everybody wants a passport from one, one, one country, which is called are United States. U.S. passport holder. You know what God says? You have got a new passport, new ethnic identity, and you can go to any place and be my ambassador. So how do you know that you have a new passport? That you truly have apprehended the fact that you are in a new ethnic nation? Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 on this. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have also as a pattern. For many walk whom I have told you often, now keep telling you with weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose what? Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Okay? Their mind is on earthly things. We looked at this in one of our uh, studies. For our Kya baat hai? Citizenship. I like that word, Baba. You know, remember when you become a permanent resident of Canada, you have to work, wait for about 7 to 8 years and be a taxpayer and give them 30% of your tax. Nonsense. Okay, of all, it's a highly taxed country, no? 30-40% of your tax goes to the government. And after you become taxpayer for 4 to 5 years or 8 years, then they will say, now you are eligible for citizenship. And then that day there's a ceremony, they'll be called to Ottawa and or some, some province in your own, maybe in your own province and then they'll give you the passport, there's a ceremony, then you, oh no, you've been, no, you have the right to vote, you're a citizen. And God says, the day you were born again, you are my citizen. You're a citizen of a different country, you have a passport. It's amazing. And you know what he says, our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our citizenship. That means what? We don't want to be in this world. Now think about it. No? A guy who comes from United States to India, unless he's come on a mission, he doesn't want to stay here. Right? The, his very actions, by the way he walks and talks, he says, I don't like this place. Those days, he'll have mineral water. He will look at his cup and say, oh, there is dust over here in my country. No, no dust. So much of pollution. Bah, so much of a, a noise pollution. How much you honk? Re? In my country, they don't honk. Look at this traffic. Oh, what is this chaos? My country, all, everything in a straight line. In other words, what is he saying? I am so uncomfortable in your country. Nonsense, he says. I am waiting for the day that my assignment is over and I am out of this place. That is what he says. That is what we means to have a new ethnic identity. Identity means what? I belong there, not here. Do you have a passport? Everybody has been given a passport which cannot be seen. These, these passports can be seen. This is found. That passport is in our spirit. Nobody can actually scan it. Only God can. The point is, do you groan? Do you groan inwardly? 
Romans chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. We are so uncomfortable in this body. So uncomfortable. That's what, that's what Paul, Paul, Peter, Paul is saying. I want to go there. So uncomfortable, not just uncomfortable here. I love my father so much. For me to go there is great. But to be here is, is beneficial for you. I am hard pressed between the two, he says. Wow. If it were not for you, I want to go there. I mean, I wonder, no, when Paul is saying that, is he at the end of his life? He's saying that maybe because if that means by the time he had the assurance that he finished his work that he was supposed to do. That's what, right. Now we will say, Paul, if you go up by Philippians, who's going to write First Timothy and Second Timothy? That is important. But he is not concerned about all that. He wants to go. God allowed him to stay here and said, okay, fine, you still have work to do. But his desire is to leave. He's so uncomfortable like that NRI. Example. Remember how they, at least those days. Nowadays, everybody is an NRI, so we don't care too much. Now we, we are very careful with NRIs because we don't know whether what virus he got from there, no? <laughs> uh, because the NRIs have become a pro- headache for us. They brought the virus. Isn't it? So, point is that, are we really? People who have a new passport, a new identity are so uncomfortable here, we just want to go. And if we are here, what are we? Ambassadors. Thank you. You know what ambassadors do? Why is an ambassador sent to another country? See, we want to wage war. If we come with our entire army, you are gone. We are come so that we can negotiate terms of peace. Please be reconciled to our what? God. That's what we say. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5. No? Verse 11 onwards. No, everybody is looking at me like that. Is this true, Baba? This is, this is exactly what ethnic identity means. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are all well known to God. And I also trust we are well known to your consciences. In other words, I hope we are all citizens of the same country. He's trying to tell the Corinthian church. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. And then, let's go on. Let's read. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one is died for, one died for all, then all died. Okay, and then, and he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. And then verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and everything has become new. And verse 18. Now, all things are of God. Look at this. 
he has reconciled us to himself through jesus christ and what has he has what has he what has he what has he given to us verse 18 he has given us the ministry of reconciliation verse 18 he has given us the ministry of reconciliation and verse 19 onwards now look at our identity that is that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing the trespass to them and has committed to as the words of reconciliation and verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. That's what he was doing. We have a ambassador, we have a passport, we are ambassadors. See, there are two different kinds of people. The people who are immigrants and there are people who are diplomats. So what are we in the world? Diplomats. We are very diplomatic. In that, we say, you know what? Get reconciled to our master. We are only coming with the ministry of reconciliation. He is entrusted to us. Please be reconciled. Otherwise, he's going to... Knowing the terror of the Lord, what are you doing? We are persuading you. He is coming with his vengeance. If he comes with his armies, you are gone. Before he comes, agree to the terms of peace. Meaning, accept him as his Lord and Savior. As your Lord and Savior, and then you are fine. Otherwise, in other words, also you become citizens of our country. Otherwise, you are gone. You remember that scene in 300? They comes to Leonardo's. Ambassadors from Artaxerxes, I think. What do you want? Earth and water. And then he says, you'll, let, you'll get none from here, from this place. And he says, okay, let these be your last words, king. Be careful what those large words are. They could be your last words as king. And you know the story. That ministry of reconciliation goes in a different tangent altogether. <laughs> okay. But for us, it's different, no? We don't go with violence. We say, you know what? Terror is coming. We reconcile time. We are ambassadors for Christ and we have a ministry of reconciliation. First, what are we? A chosen generation. Second, what are we? A royal priesthood. Third, what are we? A holy nation. And then, fourth, we are a peculiar people. (laughs) Okay. What does it mean? We have a special relationship with God. He owns us. What did I say? He owns us. So if we are peculiar people, then there are two characteristics, at least one. One, I'll show you one. There can be several things. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. You can look at it in different translations. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. What should you not become? Uh, ESV. You were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants, it says in one of my, in my translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 22, 23. And Galatians chapter 1. This comes back to this over and over and over again, no? Galatians chapter 1. And verse, just a minute please, I'll tell you the verse, exact verse. Corinthians, Second Galatians chapter 1, verse 10 
tap chapter 1 verse 10 galatians chapter 1 verse 10 i forgot to write that for do i now persuade men or god okay or do i seek to please men for if i yet please men i should not be a servant of christ in other words i only try to live to please god you know why because my identity is what ambassador ambassador of See, there's a very interesting thing now. Whenever the ambassador behaves contrary to the interests of the country which is representing, and he tries to please the other country, that follows immediately. That follows fired. That's what happened so many places, especially in the U.S. Now that's the only country which can boast of, you know, having the kind of uh, bhav, no? Okay, that's the only country, no? So, whenever the interest of the nation which he is representing is not, which he is trying to represent, is not being met, you know what they do? They fire him. So, what he's trying to say, you are a holy nation and you are a peculiar people, meaning you live for my interests. You are bought with a price, you, you represent me, you represent my interests, you are going to fulfill only my interests. Like Trump says, America first. You know what you will say? God first, kingdom of God first, everything else second, because I am his servant, not yours. You see, that is the point. You see how our identity, when we begin to understand, our whole perspective has to change now, because God is first in our lives. That is what we are, we are peculiar people, he bought us, he owns us, and therefore we represent his interests. That means, whenever we spend money, what is it going, how is it going to benefit my kingdom? Kai go spend karna? Right? Anytime people use money for any other thing other than the government that they are representing, you know they are gone. It doesn't happen in our country, but it happens in uh, a lot in UK and US. Because basically those countries were based upon the Bible, no? I remember my, my one of my relatives, he was talking to me. He, he lived in the UK for a while. So there was this MP, member of parliament, who went to his constituency on an official business. Whose money was it? Taxpayer's money. Right? Taxpayer pays the money, so he goes to his constituency to to finish the work in his constituency. So even as he went to his constituency, he finishes, finished his work, then he said he had some personal business also to attend to. So he said, anyways, I came here. So he went to his thing. He finished his personal work and also came back and immediately he was, he was called. You went to your constituency representing the government, right? Yes. Then why did you do and go and do your personal work on the government's money? He was shocked. Immediately he was asked to resign, put in his papers. The government is resting upon his shoulders. You are, so anytime I'm making an investment, if I'm a peculiar people, if I, I'm owned by God, he owns my life, he owns my money, he owns my talents, he owns everything that I have. Therefore, when I'm investing something, whose interest should I look for? His interest. 
Who occup- who's your interest? Are you interested in his interest or your own interest? That's the point here. His peculiar people. And we know that we were not his people, now we have become his people. <laughs> I showed you that. And finally, we did not obtain mercy, but we obtained mercy. What does that mean? We have an inheritance. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, oh, what mercy Baba? Not ordinary mercy. Uh, yes, we will use a great mercy, but I like this. Abundant mercy. What did he do? He begot us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and then let's go on. To an inheritance, ah, 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 which is incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, which is reserved for you in heaven. He has given you an inheritance which is never going to fail away, fade away. Like Pastor was saying yesterday, right? That there when we go, our work will be our worship because our there will be tremendous pleasure. We'll have a different body. Okay, we'll have different body altogether. No, think about it. No, this body is a corruptible body. Okay, if you enjoy anything to a limit in this body, it will damage this body. For example, after when you grow a little elderly, by the time you finish your cross forty and all. Um, what happens is that you cannot enjoy, I mean, even though you like the food, it's not good for you. If you eat good food, healthy food, or rich food, you'll die, actually. Am I right, doctor? You'll die faster if you eat richer. Because your body is corruptible. You cannot, this body cannot sustain rich food. But the moment you are born again, you are going to give a new inheritance. What kind of inheritance is that? This is going to die a natural body, which is going to, which is going to come back, come out as a supernatural body. It is going to be shown as a corruptible body, but it's going to be reaped as a incorruptible. Corruption, incorruption will put on uncorruption. Corruption is a total new body we get. And that is something which we, which we cannot even imagine, like Jesus' body. See, touch me, does a ghost have dash and dash, he says. And something else is missing. Mm-hmm. If you, do you have anything to touch me? Does a spirit or a ghost have dash and dash? What is that? Flesh and bones. bones. What is missing? Ah, we have to completely a new different body, only a flesh and bones. No blood. I don't think there's blood. I think at least to the best of my knowledge, there's a new body which we'll get. And we can experience anything, even food can be experienced in a different realm altogether. That is the inheritance which you're, going, which you're talking about. So we have a people who have been given, obtained, shown mercy. We were once what people? Not a people. <laughs> but we are not God's people. That is the mercy that he has shown. 
So this morning, even as we close today's study, know your identity. And one thing that I want to want want us to uh, really take to heart is the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ, and has given us what what ministry? The ministry of reconciliation. Ambassadors of Christ given us a ministry of reconciliation because we have a new nation. We have a new ethnic identity. We have a new passport. <laughs> ethnic identity. Ethnic identity. We can at least we'll have this because our, our we are all Indian. We'll have this race mentality. This is a spiritual identity completely. Where every tribe, every nation will be singing the songs of the redeemed in their own language. You will, I think you will have your own identity here on earth, but you will have a new spiritual identity there, which is like, which is unique. I mean, it's something which is inexplicable. Completely unique. A total new dimension altogether. Pastor was talking about multidimensional universe that you are living in right now. Three dimensions. There we go. The third dimension or the third realm itself is multidimensional. That is a that is a unique dimension. Euclidean space bhi kaam nahi karega wahan par. Apna Euclidean geometry kuch bhi hum log padhe na, kuch bhi wahan par kaam nahi karega. We can only imagine. That is the reason why that song is we sing, no? I can only imagine. Okay. Surrounded by a glory, to my knees will I fall, will I dance, etc., etc., etc. Will I able to say it all? I can only imagine. That's true. We can only imagine. To that inheritance God is calling us. And he's given us a new identity. And why is he jealous? Because he wants us to enjoy this. Sometimes he's like, God is so jealous. You're so possessive. Give me some space. No, that's exactly what people will say in relationships. No, He's so possessive. He doesn't give me space at all. I need some space for myself. With this God, we don't need space. Okay. He's jealous for us so that we can inherit his blessing. That is the reason why he's jealous for us. In an earthly relationship, there's a jealousy because of something else, some ulterior motive. What is the motive that he has for us? Think about it. What did he, what does he gain by marrying us? Only headache he got right from the beginning. Heartache only, no? Was there at one point that we gave him some, some kind of a pleasure, some, only one individual there, one individual there, one individual there. With great difficulty they showed some, they were, they pleased him in some sense. What did he have in us? And then we says he is jealous. We get upset. He is jealous. Don't get upset. His name is? Jealous. <laughs> Love that. His name is Jealous so that we can inherit all. Okay, maybe you can title today's teaching as His name is Jealous. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you. We give you glory, Lord. We just thank you, Father, for this new identity that we have in you. A royal priesthood. A priesthood which is which has got the blessing of Melchizedek.
bread and wine which was given to Abraham. So that he could overcome every temptation of this world. And of the flesh. And overcome the powers of darkness. Thank you Father. For this new identity. We praise you Lord. We worship you for this day that you have blessed us with. Pray Lord that we would. Continue to walk in your ways. In all these days, O oh Lord, and when we are spending time in your presence, that you will continue to minister to us. We thank you, we praise you. We give you glory, for in Jesus' name, Amen.